Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Thursday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got Sadie and we've got John Paul both taking your calls this morning. We'd love to hear from you at 1850 and text some WhatsApps already coming in to 0862103103. Before news at 10 when I was in chatting with Simon about what's coming up on the programme, I mentioned about Unpost and the pressure that Unpost are on at the moment and warning people that you really, if you do have parcels for delivery, my advice Advice certainly would be get them away, get them off, particularly if it's for loved ones abroad who traditionally would be coming home for Christmas and you might be doing up a little bit of a care pack just to send a little bit of the Irish Christmas and a little bit of the Cork Christmas and a little bit of home and you want that to arrive in time for Christmas Day, I would get working on those uh, parcels. Anne was on to say, I was listening to you chatting about posting parcels to our loved ones. Well, I went to the post office yesterday. I was posting basic little books, pens, chocolates, the tea bags, the things you have to have for those that can't come home from Berlin this year for Christmas. When it went to the post office, the parcel weighed over three kilos and I was told that would cost me 52 euros to post. So I asked how much would the courier service cost me and they said that'll cost you 80 euro. But good people at the post office explained if I split the stuff into two packages and go with the um, post boxes it would cost 25 uh, euro so that's what I opted uh, to do kind regards uh, that's from Anne well done Anne and well done to the postal service actually I was in the post office last weekend of the weekend before I can't remember the days seemed to just melt into the next one and there was a woman in front of me and she had parcels for Australia but she went into the post office with them they weren't sealed and she went in and got them weighed to see how much more space she had in each of the parcels. She was trying to bring the two parcels up to two kgs rather than sending one box of four, which like Anne would have cost her a lot more, splitting it into two parcels of two two kg in each. And she was trying to get the 
her full money's worth for the post and tried to fill it up, you know, so she was going into the supermarket to get other little treats and bits uh, to put into it. So the post office are really, really good. I also have, a, I use the, I have a really good home kitchen scales at home that I use and it seems to be pretty accurate even though I have heard of people saying, I weigh that at home and it seems to weigh heavier when I get to the post office, whether that's just our scales aren't as good as the scales they use in the post office. So I always try and keep a parcel below 2 kgs go a little bit under it so that when so that when you're posting it but if it goes over the 2 kgs that's really when the cost does uh, start to uh, mount up but the big warning that came from on post yesterday rather than I'm just saying I'm encouraging people to get their parcels off as quickly as possible but the big warning coming from on post is to do with if you're planning on ordering gifts on uh, Lime because on post yesterday told retailers that any parcels post after next Monday may not arrive by Christmas Day and the deadline comes after a surge in parcel orders and deliveries due to the pandemic and most retailers had been told that they needed to have their parcels away by the following Monday so I'm supposed to have pulled that back by a week and they're saying to businesses you need to get the message out if you want to have your customers satisfied and that your customers will have all of the items that they're buying in time for Christmas. So the new date for that now is the 14th of December for all of the retailers. On Post say a record volume of online shopping has prompted On Post to issue this deadline. Ireland has never seen volumes like this before. On Post say they're running at full capacity and have been for many weeks now delivering 3.3 million parcels and that's up one 1 million on the same time last year and that's still with probably some of the busiest weeks still to clock up. Tomorrow then is the last day to ensure Christmas delivery of cards. That's for America. Saturday is the last day if you want to get parcels away to Europe. The deadline for cards for Europe is the 17th of uh, December. The 18th of December is the last day for cards and parcels going to England, Scotland and Wales. And then December 19th is the last uh, day for post going to the north. But on the 1 of December 18th for England, Scotland and Wales, I what I foresee as a problem while on post is doing are doing their best getting their way and getting it over to England, Scotland and Wales I think the logjam then is happening over in England because I've certainly had delays on parcels going to the UK posted them in plenty of time left Ireland on time I was watching them in tracked they arrived in the UK but then they took up to a full week in some cases once they arrived in the UK to get to the destination. So you do need to bear that in mind because we, I think we all have loved ones in the United Kingdom uh, who won't be coming home for Christmas. So if you want to get items, I'd be saying get, get them away as uh, quick as you can. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie, you're taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 862 103-103. Thousands of people with long-term illnesses, many of whom have been cocooning since March, risk being excluded from the priority list for access to the COVID-19 vaccine. Now that's according to uh, Derek Mitchell of the Irish Platform for Patient Organisations. And uh, Derek Mitchell joins me. Good morning to you, Derek. Morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. OK, I suppose start by explaining what type of long-term illnesses that you're talking about that you feel have been excluded from the early list uh, for vaccines. Yes, so the, the types of, pe- of people and, and patient groups that we're uh, representing would be those who would be in technically the, the government's category of the category seven. So 
that's the seventh category on their provisional list. And that would be people who have uh, very severe underlying conditions, who have been cocooning probably even before the pandemic actually uh, came upon us here. So, for example, the likes of people with maybe severe asthma, the likes of people with rare conditions like cystic fibrosis, the likes of people with who, who maybe are on uh, cancer treatments, uh, and even dialysis. So, and the, the the seventh category, as it were, would be people between the ages of eighteen and sixty-five. So, it would be people who 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 don't fit in the earlier categories uh, that so, are mostly age-related. Yeah. So, people ahead of them are the you know the over sixty-fives in long-term residential, the frontline healthcare workers, the over seventies, um, people in direct provision centre, uh, and even key workers is the sixth category to be further refined. We don't quite know what that what that one is, and then. In at the, in in the seventh uh, place, were people quite shocked when that list came out, Derek? Well, we sent in uh, a joint letter on behalf of fifteen patient groups uh, representing a lot of the people I've just talked about, um, and this was sent in the morning of the 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 same day in which the list was was produced. And I think it's 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 important to state that that day was a just a hugely important day for for the Irish public, never mind uh, patients and their carers. Um, but when the prioritisation list came out, and, and we accept it's a provisional list, um, that when you, see, when you went down through it, it didn't make much sense why this particular group was so far down the list. Uh, and I think that patients struggle to understand the reasoning behind it. And when we when we uh, queried that reasoning, it did seem that most of the reasoning was around the transmission of the virus in, in those who were at high risk, in particularly those uh, working in healthcare settings and indeed in residential centres. But when we looked at other jurisdictions in terms of the UK and, and Belgium, and we looked at their prioritisation list, they really brought in what we would be calling for, which is essentially uh, a, a parity of esteem for this group in recognising the, the the very, very difficult challenges uh, that they've been facing over the last uh, number of months where they've been absolutely cocooning themselves from from society. Um, there's there's really no end in sight and the, uh, and the vaccine is really the first in a series, hopefully, of interventions that will bring them back out into society, will allow them to access health services and will enable them to be counted as part of the data that's being used to make decisions in response to the pandemic. I I think people would be shocked to think that people with very chronic lung conditions, I mean, the likes of COPD, uh, the likes of uh, people who suffer from um, alpha-1, people with cystic fibrosis, I think everyone would have assumed that they would be in that first, if not second, category of patients. Because when you talk about them cocooning since March, these people have no choice. If you suffer with one of those conditions and you get COVID-19, it's almost a death sentence. Well, I think it's it's important to state that many of the patients that you've just mentioned there would qualify under some of the higher categories. Uh, it's those who are particularly younger uh, patients. The age, who, yeah, well, eighteen to sixty-five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's the under sixty-five that that really um, have been looking at this list and and really feel feeling like 
that they are they continue to be uh, not in, in the top level of, of, of priority uh, in in this response. And in order for for this group of people and the people you represent, Derek, to lead any kind of a normal life, uh, the vaccine is vital, isn't it? It's vital, but it's also. Uh, Obviously, the vaccine is only one in in a, in a hopefully a, a whole suite of, of of interventions that are coming down the tracks. In in addition to the, the pre existing ones, uh, the social distancing and uh, and that. But the, it, it's fair to say that that particular group, in terms of the eighteen to sixty fives, have been they they, they can't um, they, they can't enjoy some of the the. Um, the benefits that have been realised for maybe the members of the, of the general public in terms of the relaxing of of the restrictions, uh, because they have to keep cocooning, they have to, they have no choice, uh, and the vaccine probably represents the, the biggest hope of all of those interventions. Are many of them feeling very isolated because of cocooning for so long, Derek? I think that it's fair to say that isolation uh, and people's well-being, um, and that includes their mental health, and uh, and that have been severely affected. And a number of patient groups have have produced their own uh, data from their own communities about the impact of the pandemic. And it's it's pretty clear that there's there's huge impacts on, particularly on 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 this group. By the way, do the, has the World Health Organization issued guidelines on the allocation of vaccines? Yes, they have. So the uh, the WHO issued uh, guidance, and we in, in in the letter that we wrote to the government, we we did our, our own piece of research around this, and 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 that was really our starting point in terms of the WHO, and they produced a values framework for the allocation and the prioritisation. And the values listed in the WHO include things like human well-being, equal respect, global equity, national equity, reciprocity and legitimacy. So, And whereas the, the provisional list produced by the government does reference ethical values, I think it's fair to say that human well-being, if you think about what that, all, what that entails, it, it didn't seem all that much of a priority when you when you go down through the list and you look at it and it seems to be priority the priority uh is fully acknowledged it needs to be uh those uh, older older communities those healthcare professionals weren't that that's unquestioned really uh the question is to whether the this particular cohort are need to be uh, i think recognized to a much greater extent within that list. Absolutely. And I, and I think the majority of people would see nothing wrong with them being bumped up the list and, and given the vaccine, given priority for the vaccine. Have you had any reaction? I know you issued um, your concerns and you issued a press release earlier in the week. Have you had any reaction from the HSC, Department of Health, from government? Well, the the plan from the high-level uh, task force is coming out tomorrow. So, okay. And that high-level group is looking at all of the the logistics of, of of this rollout of of, of vaccines, uh, and as you know, there's there's a number of potential vaccines coming down the tracks with different ways of administration. So yeah, it that, won't that, just that, be the it. Pfizer one. Yeah, yeah. So so that that's a huge uh, task in itself. So once that plan uh, gets produced, it will be very interesting to see how that corresponds then with the prioritisation list. So I. 
I would certainly hope that we would be getting uh, a response once that plan has been released um, and 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 look forward to engaging with with not just the high level group but with the HSE and with the advisory council because certainly from a patient perspective we haven't seen any uh, involvement of patient groups or public representatives as part of this process to date. And we feel that the quality of the decision-making would be significantly improved if patients had an opportunity to have their voices heard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Derek, listen, uh, thank you for that and we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. No problem. Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Derek good. Mitchell there of the Irish Platform for Patient Organisation. It's an umbrella group for a lot of different organisations, uh, the likes of COPD, uh, Diabetes Ireland, the Irish Cancer Society, the Asthma Society. And they've all, I think there's 15 organisations in total have signed a, a joint letter on behalf of patients voicing their concerns over the COVID-19 vaccine prioritisation and the shock that they were. It looks like if you're in the 18 to 64-year-old age group and suffer from any uh, long-term condition, you're way down the list. You'll be seventh out of a group of 15. So you're right in the middle for the issuing of the vaccine. Now, I know some will say, but we don't know how quick it's going to take to vaccinate. And that's what we, that's what we ne- next need to find out is how the vaccination is going to be rolled out. How quickly will it be? You know, how quickly will they get through the different groups? You know, how quickly will, get, will they get through the over 65s who are living in long-term, the people in the nursing homes who are going to be the very first to get it, followed by the the frontline healthcare workers. How quickly will they get through all of those? Uh, and if they get enough vaccines, and that's going to be the problem, is how much how much physical vaccine is going to arrive in the country to be distributed? Can I just stay on vaccines for a minute, just to follow up on something that we di- we mentioned earlier in the week when a listener was on, still waiting to get her flu jab, and is in is in the very long list that came out from the HSE of people who were entitled to a, f- a free flu shot this year and the HSE because of COVID-19 decided they wanted to do everything in their power to encourage people to get the annual flu jab. So they were encouraging people who had never received it before and anyone that was in the at-risk group and they had a very detailed list who was of people who were entitled to a f- free flu jab this year. But then there was a problem in actually getting the flu vaccine into this country. It wasn't just Ireland, it was the Northern Hemisphere had a massive problem because so many countries were trying to get the flu jab uh, this year Uh, and then eventually it arrived there wasn't enough for a lot of GP practices so a woman contacted us to say she was on a wait list, she's entitled to a free one, she was on a waiting list at her local pharmacy and the pharmacy said we don't have any of the HSC vaccines they're all gone but if you're willing to pay 30 euro you can go privately so they, they can get their hands on some vaccines but it's only for private patients and she was making the point, have we a two-tiered system? So we decided we'd get back on to the HSE because they, at the start of the flu vaccine programme, were saying that they had ordered more than they'd ordered last year and they felt that they were going to have enough for everyone who was entitled to it. So the HSE tell us that they procured and delivered 1.35 million doses of the uh, vaccine 
And they say if a pharmacy offered the person a flu vaccine that was supplied by the HSC, then the vaccine and it is administered for free. Yeah, but they, the pharmacy is saying we don't have enough of the free vaccines. The HSC say they cannot comment on private stock of vaccines as that would be a, um, a matter for the individual partners. But then they were saying, speaking about the flu vaccine at the HSC's operational briefing on the 26th of November, Colm Henry said there has been a year of extraordinary success, they're claiming, with vaccines and they think that that needs to be acknowledged and celebrated throughout the difficulties we've had in procuring the vaccine as the quantities we did in a very competitive environment and then delivering it in the quantities we had. They say that the records they have back, they've passed the one million record mark for administration. Now that's not just distribution. They've distributed 1.35 but they're claiming now they know from doctors and GPs because once they give the vaccine, they then have to get back onto the HSE in order to be paid for the vaccine. So one million they now know has definitely been delivered and has been administered to patients but they accept that there's always a lag between distributing the vaccine and then getting the records uh, back. It's an an admin issue. But the HC are saying all of their 1.35 million doses of influenza have been sent out. So if you've got a pharmacy saying we're waiting on more deliveries, there's no more uh, deliveries and it's the same with uh, GP uh, practices. Now I don't know, I know at one stage there was a lot of our listeners who were waiting on flu jabs but then eventually they came on stream and a number of people got, a, a number of people contacted us to say they did manage to get them. Uh, so I don't know how many are still on a list for a HSC one because according to the HSC they have now sent out all of their available influenza injection uh, vaccines. There's no more left, certainly been stockpiled. So it's up to the individual doctors and pharmacies uh, to pass them on. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103. And staying on vaccines for uh, a moment, having just uh, spoken uh, with uh, Derek Mitchell of the Irish Platform for Patient Organisations and I mentioned the amount of different patient organisations that they represent, people like Diabetes Ireland, the Irish Cancer Society, the Asthma Society, uh, Alpha One Ireland, the COPD. That has uh, and shocked that people with long-term conditions like that found out when the sequencing came out this week that they're seventh in the list of groups that would be given the vaccine which has not gone down well with so many people but as Derek said particularly for those that have been cocooning since March people who are absolutely terrified they can't leave their house uh, because they're so fearful of catching COVID-19 and these are people who because of their underlying health condition would not be able to fight off uh, COVID-19 so you can understand why they've almost become prisoners in their own uh, home. Joe in the city was on and his wife falls into this category. He says my wife has COPD with chronic asthma. She's also recovering following a heart attack and she's now getting tested for cancer. Goodness me Joe, she's having a tough time. She, but she is one of those who's way down the list for the vaccine. My wife can't even wear a mask because of her breathing uh, issues. She was told four years ago at the age of 60 that she had the lungs of an 84 year old but again she is down the uh, list because she's in that 18 to 64 year old age category which uh, with a medical condition which puts them at higher risk of severe disease and certainly with COPD, chronic asthma, recovering from a heart attack and now getting tests for cancer she definitely is at a high risk uh, with severe diseases and she is deemed seventh in the grouping of 
15 they made up a group of 15 different groups and uh, she's number 15 yeah I, I actually I have to say when I was reading down through the sequencing I actually thought when I read it first I thought it was an error I thought that couldn't be because key workers are ahead of them at the, at six and I think key workers absolutely should be given uh, priority but not ahead of somebody who has a chronic long-term condition. So we'll wait to see the latest report that's going to come out today and see, will they change their mind on that On that one? I have a feeling that they may uh, have to. And then Marion Domanway says, how about people with private health insurance paying for a COVID vaccine? I would if it wasn't too expensive, says Marion Domanway. And this was the news that we that we got from Michal Martin, the Taoiseach, saying that when the vaccine arrives on our shores, it will be free to everyone. Everyone who wants to get the vaccine and they'll go by group by group by group uh, and nobody will have to pay for the vaccine or for the vaccine to be administered. But Mary reckons if you have private health insurance or people can afford it, why not let other people pay for the uh, vaccine? But I don't actually think at the end of the day, Mary, it's going to come down to a cost issue. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to availability of the vaccine. And my fear with having private vaccines versus a public vaccine, my fear then would be those that could pay will get the vaccine and the, those that can't pay will have to wait for a vaccine. So I think Michal Martin is right and it seems to be the same all over the world that once the vaccine arrives into a country and they get enough of the vaccine, it's given out on a priority basis for those that need it the most first and then work their way down to the general population. And I think everybody thinks that's the fairest way. It's the right way to do it. But I just think there is a glaring mistake in our sequencing if we're giving it to those who deserve it and need it the most, then surely those people with underlying long-term health conditions need to be bumped up that list and need to be given uh, more priority. And then staying on vaccines, Patricia, could you please explain to me why is this vaccine, this is the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine that's been already, uh, they're rolling through it in, in the United Kingdom. Why has it, in inverted commas, not been authorised here? If it's in the country and people in England and Northern Ireland have already got it, why is there a delay in people getting it here? I just simply cannot understand this, says Mary. OK, it's all to do with the European Union. We have to wait until the European Medicines Agency officially approves the vaccine for use in the EU. The United Kingdom, as we know, because there's a lot of talk about Brexit, are now out of the EU. They decided to go ahead of every other country and they were the first to give what is seen by some as a rapid approval for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. I know at the time that they did it, the European Union were critical of it and the European Medicines uh, Agency, who we're waiting on for the approval, said that they wanted a longer approval procedure. They felt that that was more appropriate. And I know the European Medicines Board are looking at not just the Pfizer one and the BioNTech one, they're looking at others as well. It is expected that the European Medicines Agency at the end of December will be giving the go-ahead for the Pfizer one, but they feel that in, that the UK rushed into it too quick. So that's the reason. It isn't an Irish government reason. We're part of the European Union. And when we are buying our COVID-19 vaccine, be it the Pfizer one or be it any other vaccine that becomes available. Remember, there's about five vaccines now that are being seriously looked at and are ready to be uh, rolled out. We will be getting our vaccine 
through the European Union. They're bulk buying it. And I know the European Union already have a huge order in for the Pfizer BioNTech uh, one. They're just waiting on the medicine board to dot the I's and uh, cross the T's. So that's the reason it's it's got nothing at all to do with the government not wanting to give the vaccine. They have to wait for the official approval. And hi Patricia, have you any news on the number of COVID cases in uh, Cork the last few days? They've been low for the last few days. I know for yesterday. Okay, the overall cases yesterday were 227 people diagnosed with the uh, virus and the number for Cork yesterday was five. That's one of the lowest we've had in quite some time. When you're listening out on the news every night and when they mention the number of people diagnosed with COVID-19 they'll then go through how many like for yesterday they said there were 70 cases in Dublin there was 26 in Donegal there was 19 in Limerick there was 14 in Louth and there was 14 in Kilkenny and then they stop and say the rest are divided between so many counties that's always good news for us here in Cork because it means the numbers in Cork uh, have been quite low and they have been quite low for the probably the last seven days but five was the number yesterday but the number of patients seriously ill with COVID-19 been admitted to intensive care that rose yesterday they always give the numbers that were admitted in the previous 24 hours and it was the highest number of people were admitted yesterday since the uh, spring. Uh, it comes amid another warning about a potential Christmas and New Year surge in infections leaving more people facing life-threatening complications and risk of death. These are the ones that are going to end up having to go into ICU. Eight people were admitted to intensive care in the 24 hours up to yesterday bringing the number in need of the highest level of treatment for the infection to 38. The numbers in hospital at the moment was uh, 224 and sadly of course we reported uh, five more deaths uh, yesterday but worrying to see eight people in a tw- in one 24 hour period needing to go into ICU. The sooner that vaccine arrives the better. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And Liz is a bit uh, worried about the COVID vaccine when it arrives because she wasn't that happy the way with the way the HSE administered the flu vaccine this year and is a bit worried about what's going to happen with the COVID vaccine. All we can do is stay a positive, uh, Liz. Now, um, We've been um, on about shopping local and how important it is to shop local. Well, that prompted Kieran, one of our listeners, to say, like you, Patricia, I'm a big advocate for shopping lo- local and I've always made a conscious effort to, coming up to Christmas to make sure that I buy all of my Christmas presents locally. So I went shopping last uh, weekend in Mallow Town um, and I went out to buy all my Christmas gifts and I have to say it was a lovely shopping experience and what I particularly liked was the fact when I went into shops and businesses uh, people were chatting and it was really lovely, friendly, really nice atmosphere and I was delighted with myself. But there's a sting in the tail coming here. I thought free parking meant free parking. When Kieran went back to his car, he had gone over the allocated time and he'd been issued with a parking ticket, which is, is I don't know, what is a parking ticket? Is it 80 euro for a parking ticket? Uh, he said he was really, really annoyed. Now, it hasn't put him off shopping local and he said it's got nothing to do with the businesses in Mallow because, as he said, town felt very festive and the people in the shops were so friendly and so helpful and everybody seemed to be in good form but he just said he was fuming when he got back to his car and realised that he had uh, picked up a ticket so 
O'Keefe contacted us just to say would you warn others when they are going out doing shopping in Mallow and it's probably the same across all of our county towns that are offering free parking for Christmas to encourage people to go into the towns and uh, shop. You need to be very careful about the terms and uh, conditions because I know when I checked it out for the free parking in Mallow it's part of the project Act Free Parking uh, is is in place for three months to support it. It was put in place following the reopening of Mallow Town after the COVID restrictions but they do say to please note that maximum time limits apply for on-street parking and car parks so the normal limits if it normally is one hour of parking or two hours of parking when you get a ticket you still have to abide by those rules you just don't need to physically buy uh, the ticket but it can make your Christmas shopping a little bit costly if you go along and you've got all your shopping done and then to discover you've got a parking uh, ticket so just beware of uh, that and happy Christmas to you Kieran, and thank you for contacting us. Now some of the share students went to connect on Shandon Street this week to deliver Christmas dinner to the elderly residents at the home. Now normally they have a big Christmas dinner and it's held in the Share Day Centre on Shear Street but obviously this year because of COVID that can't happen. This would you believe is the 50th year of share and students are going to be collecting on the streets of Cork City from December the 14th right up to and including Christmas Eve. That's the 14th is next Monday, isn't it? Uh, with tap to donate boxes, that's what they're doing this year. And they're also asking people if you're not in and around the city and you've always been a fan and you've always contributed to share, will you please consider donating online? But our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, went to uh, Shandon uh, Street uh, to chat with some of the students and some of the uh, residents there. And by the way, just to let you know, Fiona was wearing a mask while doing this report. Happy Christmas to you too. Happy Christmas. Patrick Harmon. And Patrick, just tell me a little bit about how you ended up here at Clifford. My road to here started on the 10th of March last year when I was in the region of the Cork University Hospital with a heart attack. And I had another heart attack out there and died. Yes. And, and you're uh, still here to tell I'm the still tale. here to brought me back, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, I was in and out of hospital about eight times since. And uh, since I came up here, I haven't been in hospital or needed anything. Living up here, it means an awful lot to me. And share means a lot to me. And do the share students call in to you? They do. They do. They call in every Friday afternoon. Yes, they're, they're, they're wonderful. And I see them sweeping out there and everything. They're keeping the place nice and tidy, you know. And do they just call in for a chat? They do. They, no, they stand outside. They don't come in. Mm. But they stand outside. And if it's cold, I don't keep them too long, you know. Yeah. Let them move on. <laughs> Get a job done. And yes. obviously this year now, you're going to be here for Christmas. So yes. what does that mean? Uh, it. It doesn't mean an awful lot of change for me. I'm, uh, I don't do anything special. I, in fact, I, the only special thing I've done this year is put up lights in the window, Christmas lights, you know. Yeah. yeah. And the share students are delivering a dinner here to you today. Yeah, yes, I believe. But I do all my own cooking. There's sure. a lovely kitchen and bathroom out there. Yes. So the house is nice here as well. It is, it? yes. Oh, God, it's, it's, it's wonderful, yes. Because uh, all I had the la- in the last place, I lived there for 33 years. 
was a bed sit. Yeah. And shared, and the shower was upstairs, so I couldn't go up the stairs for about five years. And the toilet was out in the backyard, which was very inconvenient. Ed Lynch. So, Ed, just tell me, how long have you been living up here at Canuck for in Shannon Street? Old month. And what's it like living here? Just grand here. There was no messing or that, no messes around, and you know everyone there. And is there is a sense of community here? Isn't yeah. There? Everybody watches over everyone. So what did it mean to you to get one of these houses? Oh, it meant everything. You know, you're looked after by the people around there, and, you know, they do everything for you. Or the students are called, and they actually do, they want, they want anything in the shop. But I go to the shop myself. You like to have a bit of independence, oh, too? Yeah. <laughs> I'd want to be kind of, we have to help him out. <laughs> I'll have shots of wheelchair. <laughs> I'd want that kind of carry on at all. <laughs> But it must be good to have the students coming up and being able to engage with you and have that conversation. And... But there comes everyone there. Mm. And they ask, do you want anything to shop? Do you have anything to be done out the back? So, you know, clean up from her. Mm. I had a very good old students coming around. They're coming in today now to deliver a Christmas dinner to you? Yeah, that's what's come today. And what does it, like, what does Christmas mean to you? So, I mean, like, is it, will it be different this year because you're with this community here? Oh, it would be, yeah, it would be. Like before, I was only in my own up there, and I was an old, you know. They had no one around me. What's your own name? Jim Watkins, Jim Watkins, Watkins Catering. What's on the menu, lads? Turkey and ham. Uh, they're getting turkey and ham, and we have salmon for those who don't one turkey and ham, and um, then we have uh, Christmas pudding and uh, a rum, rum sauce, and we have a trifle for them. The trifle then is packed so that they can uh, they can eat it tomorrow because they might be. See, normally we'd be serving below in share. Yeah. And people go with extra veg and they go with extra meat. We can't do that. We can't have the kids going in different rooms. Yeah. You know, so. And then we give them the Christmas pudding, and the girls and, and the boys then would go out with bowls of trifle. But what we've done is we pack the trifle so that they can eat it tomorrow. Uh, Luke. Luke. Henson. And Sean Barrett. So, guys, how does it feel to be here today giving out the Christmas dinners to the elderly people? Uh, it's great, yeah, you know, we're doing what we can with, you know, the tools that we've been given. Uh, shares, you know, that's really what Share is all about, just giving back to the community. Uh, and we're just happy we can do that even d during COVID. Yeah, because normally you'd have the big gathering, big Christmas dinner for them in, in Shear Street in the day centre, so you can't do that this year, so that's why you're up here today. Yeah, well, it's just about doing what we can, you know. Obviously, we'd prefer to be doing the, the, the big party, but, you know, this is all we really can do, so we're going we're gonna to go ahead and do it. You see the big smiles on their faces, they're all happy to just see people, like, because a lot of them have been isolated for the past six, seven months without seeing people, so it makes you happy, it's just giving back, because, like... You, you know they'd have loved it, like, and seeing that and makes them happy, makes us happy. It's strange for you guys seeing other years with the share um, people at Christmas time and everything that they've done, and then this year you join when we're in the middle of a pandemic. Has it been a strange Yeah, experience? it's definitely not what I was expecting, but sure, like, it's what you do, it's all you can do. Like, it's def the meaning's definitely there a lot more. Like, how can people support share this year? 
Um, well, it, it is a crisis, so people are more are more happy to give back because they know that we're struggling this year, and it is this year more important than any other year, uh, especially being the 50th anniversary of Share. It's it, it is a big year for us, and and we are we are struggling, and people seem to notice that because they want to give back to us. We also um, have top boxes on the streets this year, so people, so people who um, don't have the the cash to give, but they have a card, they can just tap their card, and it's just a we'll have 50 on the streets, along with 50 top boxes at the same time. Uh, Sive's Slattery. And uh, Sive, um, how does it feel to be here today dishing out the Christmas dinners to the elderly in their homes? Um, well, it's really spe- special, especially this year because of COVID and they haven't had a lot of families up to visit them. And when we come in with the dinners, they're all delighted and really happy. So it's nice to see them smiling. Some of them have been telling me that you guys come up here every week and, you know, clean up the area and stuff. And it means a lot to them. It must mean a lot to you guys too. Yeah, definitely. It's really nice to be able to help help them and come up and do some gardening for them or do some shopping. Yeah. And why did you decide to become a member of Share this year? Um, I decided to become a member this year because I... It's, I know how special it is and how, the, how much meaning it has, especially here in Cork. And it's the 50th anniversary this year. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to come up and help. And how has it been so far? It's really good so far. Um, we've been only up a few weeks, but I think the difference that's made already is really big. So. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Here is, thank you, uh, Micah, for sharing this with me on WhatsApp. And I imagine this is going to be shared quite a lot on uh, social media, if it hasn't already, but I haven't come across it before. But for the week that's in it with Brexit and everything that's going on with Brexit at the moment and the people who in the United Kingdom who voted for Brexit and are in favour of Brexit and wanting to bring it all back to the United Kingdom and wanting to go it alone. Uh, this this is a very clever piece. And this obviously was in the news this week. An Irish woman, woman as we know, because we spoke about her on the programme, Margaret, who has lived in Coventry for 60 years has received the first shot of vaccine imported from Belgium developed by a German company which was founded by Turkish immigrants and distributed by a US firm whose CEO is a Greek Jew. It was administered by a nurse from the Philippines and that was in a UK NHS hospital in a Brexit week where England and I can't read out the end because it's slightly rude but basically talking about where England have decided to become so uh, xenophobic but doesn't it just show where a small world in many ways and that we all need to work together to make something work uh, so well. That's a very clever piece, whoever put that together and thank you to uh, Michael for sharing it with me. Let me stay on a vaccine for a moment. A couple of calls and texts in on this. Tim says on the flu vaccine 1.3 million, that's what the HSC told us that they bought and they distributed and sent out to pharmacies and GP practices all over the country. Tim says 1.3 million is far short of one for everybody in the audience, let alone one for everybody in the country. If only half of the population were to get the flu vaccine, 2 million would have been required. Hopefully there will be more statistical knowledge for the COVID vaccine, says uh, Tim. 
And of course they will because they, they will be basing it completely on the population base. Now in fairness to the HSE they didn't get in the flu vaccines based on the population. They got it based on the people in the ASHRAE group that they felt would need it and that's going to be slightly different to uh, COVID. But I know the point you're making there are still people out there who who felt they were entitled and were on the list and were entitled to one of the free flu jabs and didn't get it and that's left to kind of a, a sour taste in a lot of people's uh, mouths for sure. And John in Clonakilty says Trish, on the rolling out of the COVID-19 vaccine, I think it will be rolled out very fast. Centres, I feel, will be set up in every county throughout the country, as well as the pharmacies and the GPs, all these places that we already go to. They're already there. They'll be ready to start administering the vaccine when it is available. There was 1.3 million this year of the flu vaccine. That went out in three uh, batches and most of those are gone already, says John in Clonakilty. So he's got great faith that the government will get this right and the HSE and the Department of Health and the powers that be and that they'll all work together and the vaccine will get rolled out and I think and I mentioned this when we were talking about the first vaccines being given in the United Kingdom uh, we can look to see how successful the rollout is in England and what way they did it we can learn it's happening in Northern Ireland let's see how they're doing it in Northern Ireland what's working what's not working and hopefully we can learn when we when the vaccine does arrive here that we'll you know it'll we'll be be able to look to other countries to see what works and what uh, doesn't work. And then somebody says, I'm just curious, I called into St. Joseph's Garden Centre, that's part of St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville recently, but it seems to be closed. There were signs up saying you need to make an appointment. I understand that it's a very strange year and if you're willing to spend money locally and they want the money, I I felt there should have been somebody there. I did meet a lady in the yard who thought that the garden centre was closed. It's in Charleville. Does anybody know what's happening there, please? Well, jump Paul tried to put a call uh, through but couldn't get through to anyone. Now I know he sent off an email which we're waiting on a reply from but if anybody knows because this is the time of the year when the Garden Centre at St Joseph's Foundation normally would be very busy because they do gorgeous they've well in previous years they used to do beautiful Christmas wreaths and lovely presents uh, for Christmas. Now obviously St Joseph's Foundation is working very differently this year because of COVID and maybe for that reason they've decided to close the garden centre but let's see we'll we'll check it out for you and uh, find out and actually St Joseph's Foundation is where my where Marsha my daughter gets her service from but she's moved she was in Charleville on the campus but she's now moved to a hub uh, here in Mallow where we can drop and collect her every day and actually if you buy the Mallow Star Vale Star uh, today she's actually in it <laughs> He's pride of place in it. And they, they went up to the hub at the Gilbert Centre in Mallow and they took photographs of the people around the Christmas tree. And there is our own gorgeous uh, Marsha looking very pretty in pink standing next uh, to the Christmas uh, tree. Now, um, oh, uh, somebody was talking about this came up during the week when Sky News, you're probably aware of this, that four senior members of Sky News have been taken off air. And this was in the wake of the presenter, Kay Burley, herself probably the most senior of all members of staff who's been taken off air. She had a 60th birthday bash. I'm assuming it happened. Was it sometime? Was it last weekend? Yeah, it must have been last weekend because Kay Burley went on to apologise on Monday for what she called uh, an error of judgment and claimed that she'd inadvertently broken the rules after a night out in uh, London. Uh, So four of them were instantly taken off air when it was found 
there was photographs obviously during the round I'm assuming on social, me- uh, social media now it seems they did everything right at the start in that they went to a restaurant in Soho and they were a small group of people and they were actually they dined outside and they sat across two different tables so they applied with all the current rules everything was going fine until afterwards so a small group not all of them but it must have been four I don't know how many more they decided to continue the party and they went back to Kay Burley's house and that's strictly prohibited by the UK rules on socialising indoors and then I'm assuming as I say photographs must have gone out of this little bit of a shindig back in her house so Sky reacted immediately and said that's it they've taken them off uh, air Uh, but I think part of the problem was that some of the crew and I don't know if it was Kay Burley but some of the Sky staff the following day were reporting from a hospital so some people were saying how stupid was that that you know you were all socialising indoors together what if one of you had COVID-19 and then you turn up at a hospital to do a report the next day and the implications of that and seemingly Sky is taking it all very seriously and they don't quite know what, what to do about it at the moment but for now they have been removed from uh, air and some someone was uh, on to us yesterday uh, saying very different for RTE they didn't take anybody off air but I think in the, the difference I suppose between the two is Sky would have a huge amount of staff that they could replace if they needed to take senior members off air. I don't know if RTE has that many senior members of staff that they could replace them with if they decided to remove them all and suspend them for a period of time. And also the RTE one seems to be even getting worse because according to CCTV footage, there was 45 of them in total attended that shindig for the girl who was uh, retiring. So that's there was many more people involved than was involved in in the Kay Burley one but I suppose what it's showing is that people in the public eye have to 100% abide by all of the rules and uh, regulations. I mean, if they're if they're there telling people this is what you need to do, they have to be beyond uh, reproach, I think. And then, of course, what's making all of the papers uh, today is the Labour leader, Alan Kelly. Now, he's also come out and apologised. Uh, photographs of him emerged not wearing a mask while travelling on the uh, Lewis. He was, it was on Tuesday night, there's a photograph of him and I'm looking at the photograph. It's Alan Kelly sitting. He doesn't have a mask on. He has earphones in and he's looking down at his mobile phone. Now it seems, according to Alan Kelly, he got distracted because he was watching the Manchester United match and in a statement he said, I'm a strong supporter of all of the public health guidelines and rules. Always endeavour to wear my mask where required. Then he said, my track record on calling for clearer guidelines around mask wearing speaks for itself. He said, while getting on Um, the Lewis home last night I obviously inadvertently didn't have my mask on for a period of time and he said I want to apologise for the mistake he said I was distracted while watching the Man United match on my phone and adjusting my headphones at the uh, same time and of course a lot of the papers are picking up on that and and showing the uh, photograph and he is right he has been a strong advocate for the wearing of masks he was the one who heavily criticised the government for what he said was the chronic disaster 
in communication around the wearing of masks. Back in June, it was Alan Kelly who went into the doll and said that nobody should be getting on public transport without wearing a mask full stop. He said people should wear masks in retail outlets to protect workers. That was back in June. That's what he was calling for. And then only in October, he said the government needed to be clearer in calling on the public to wear masks instead of visors. And then he gets caught not wearing the mask. As I say, he has gone on to apologise. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 0862 103. 103. C103 Jobs. And we start with Radius Technologies. They're based in Carrick Tuhill. They're looking for senior field IT engineer and a business development uh, manager. Hamantel French are seeking a ground worker from Mallow. Experience with concrete and shuttering references will also be required. While Longueville House are looking for an experienced housekeeper, ideally with two years experience in the hotel slash guest house business. It's part-time and weekend work mainly. And Alps in Mill Street, they're recruiting general operatives. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103. Now, on Monday of this week, I spoke with mother of two, Linda Kelly from Glanmire, who gave birth during the pandemic and was one of the mothers highlighting the need for partners to be present at at our maternity hospital for appointments and at labour. Linda was part of a group that handed in a petition with over 50,000 signatures to the Cork University Maternity Hospital last week. And Linda uh, joins me with a little bit of good news. Good morning to you, Linda. Good morning. Now, I'm very well. And your campaign seems to be working. A bit of good news from the HSC this week. Tell us more. So on Tuesday night, it was reported uh, first in the Irish Times and then in other newspapers yesterday that the HSE at national level had changed their policy and had reclassified partners as an essential companion for the purpose of attending the 20-week anatomy anomaly scan. And that's the scan where we know some people, some women have received bad news um, and dreadful that they've had to go through that alone. Yeah, heartbreaking, Patricia. And it, it is for anyone um, listening to your show who's been pregnant, you know, they'll know it's a heart in your throat scan. You know, they, they don't say anything because they're busy doing their checks. You're there for about 15 minutes, you know, praying and hoping that everything will be okay. And hopefully, you know, for a lot of people, it's it's good news, but for some people it's not. And it is great now that there's been recognition that there needs to be an essential support partner there with the woman at the time. And I think even more incredible, really, is what the HSE nationally is actually saying is that, you know, an essential support partner is needed when people are at these scans and at these appointments. And that's definitely the view we're taking. And uh, we're going to keep pushing our campaign to make sure that essential support partners are there for all aspects of the pregnancy, not just for one appointment. Yeah, and actually, when I knew you were going to be joining us today, I was looking up stats yesterday and it's the figures it's, are, are so high. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. In this uh, in this country, yeah. some women have been have gone through absolute hell during this during this pandemic because of those restrictions. Absolutely, and I think if anyone you know is on Facebook or Instagram, uh, two women have set up a page called "In Our Shoes: COVID Pregnancy," 
And it's really provided a space and a voice for those who've gone through experiences and maybe don't want their name to be out there publicly, but want their story to be heard. And there is no way that you can read those stories without having tears in your eyes as to what women right across the country have had to put up with. And it really is now, I I really do hope that the signal from the HSC at national level this week is really a sign that eventually, after a long, long wait, they're ready to have a much more nuanced, much more evidence-based conversation about what restrictions are appropriate at the different levels of our Living With COVID plan. Yeah, because the one thing that really struck me during my chat with you last Monday was the picture you painted of your husband dropping you off at the hospital and you were in for a planned C-section, heavily pregnant, and you're walking in on your own, carrying your little suitcase. And I just, it it just went through my head thinking, this is dreadful. And then I, I read and I've heard of women who had to go through that who had gone for their scan, discovered no heartbeat, had lost their, their they'd lost their baby through miscarriage and they were going in back into the hospital for uh, the medical procedure that's, that's needed. And if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And having to make that walk and do that on their own. It's incredibly lonely. Um, and it, it's also, you know, I suppose we still have a stigma in the country around talking about miscarriage. And this is going to make it so much worse for women who've experienced it totally in isolation, totally on their own, without any of their normal support systems around. And I am, like CUMH have since October, um, changed their policy around pregnancy loss. But that first scan, 
you are still on your own. And I think really now what needs to happen is, you know, if they can reclassify and um, you can have an essential support partner at the 20-week scan, you know, the next step needs to be looking at the 12-week scan because that is where so many women are on their own getting dreadful news. And, you know, you that's the moment when you need somebody holding your hand to catch you. And I think there's an awful reliance on, sure, women are gr- brilliant, they'll get through it, you know, they, they'll kind of carry on. But actually, sometimes we need to fall apart and sometimes we need to be held. And that piece of compassion and that piece of humanity is really what's missing at the moment from the people making the decisions. Well said, well said. Would you agree with Pather Tobin, um, his point that the restrictions are inhumane and disproportionate? Absolutely. And I don't agree with Pader Tobin on much now, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, but on this, you know, I think he's absolutely right. Um, and those of us who, who've been through it know it's barbaric, know it's cruel. We know it's unnecessary because you and I both know that if the HSE had an evidence base for these restrictions, they would have published it. They would have put it in the public domain. There has been nothing like that come from the HSE, nothing like that come from the maternity hospitals. Really what happened was in March, when everybody was extremely nervous about COVID, they they took a very strict, very prudent approach until they knew more. And I think maybe is it because they've been worried about losing face or whatnot, but, you know, it's taken a very long time for them to actually recognise that those restrictions are no longer appropriate. They weren't appropriate then. They're not in line with the World Health Organisation guidelines on any level. Um, and we now, you know, we know a lot more now about COVID and we need to fix this situation very quickly for women. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a completely different landscape uh, how much we knew so little back in March to what to what we know now. So, so yeah, you, you're, you're 100% right. Right. Somebody wants to know, is it up to each uh, maternity unit uh, to dis- to determine their own policy? And, and I'm assuming what they're hinting at here is uh, Dublin hospitals were different to what we were here at CUMH. Yeah, so the way it works, I suppose, the, rec- the directive that came out this week was from the HSC nationally. There are 19 maternity units and hospitals across the country um, and they do have some discussion about whether or not to implement it. But what I have seen, I have seen more hospitals than not, uh, you know, have come out since then to say they are publishing or they are going to put it through. It's one of the problems highlighted uh, to me, Hall Martin, in the doll is that we can't have 19 different decision makers on this. The HSE nationally need to set the tone. And eventually this week they have uh, CUMH as part of a hospital group in the South Southwest. So if it's being implemented there, it should also be implemented across uh, Kerry General Hospital, South Tipperary, Waterford University Hospital as well. And so, uh, you know, that should be of good news to any listeners uh, from around the areas in Munster. Okay, so they're allowed for the 20 week uh, scan and also to attend surgical interventions. On the, yeah, yeah, there hasn't been clarity as to what Obviously, that means. Yeah, I was going to say, what does re- that mean? My reading of that is surgical interventions on the back of the 20-week scan. Um, oh, OK. And, and, you know, but, uh, you know, the HSE and the South West Hospital Group is the best place to provide you with that clarification. Yeah, OK, because I was, I was wondering with a surgical intervention, mm. would you have been covered for the C-section? Technically a surgical intervention? 
technically. <laughs> well, he was there for the, the surgical intervention part. There's not any of the before. Yeah, it is true. It is true. So, um, so, so, so absolutely fantastic news for, for women that, that are now uh, pregnant and will be delivering and will be going for those scans. Uh, but you're still going to push on with... Absolutely. No, we have a like you know, later on today now there will be more information coming out into the public domain and um, we have another action planned for Dublin next week and uh, we're absolutely not going away. You know, I think we've realised the public support is with us. So many of us, uh, there's a small group of us all who either are pregnant or given birth uh, since March um, are in, you know, have are driving this campaign and the messages from acquaintances, colleagues, friends of friends, you know, all telling us their stories is what's driving us to keep this going so that no one else has to go through what we were forced to go through. And are you hearing from pregnant women, particularly first-time pregnancies, are they very nervous about going to the hospital? Yes. The level of anxiety is very, very, very high. And, you know, I know... Again, you know, that sort of friend of a friend scenario, you know, like giving birth for the first time is... Scary. It's scary. You know, ignorance is bliss in one sense, but then, you know, very, very difficult and people having to go through inductions on their own. And that's why we want to get rid of the classifications about active labour or early labour, because for anyone who's pregnant, the minute you know, your waters break or the minute you get a contraction or the minute you go to be induced, that's when that experience starts for you. Mm. Not when somebody decides, okay, you're at four centimetres and now now is enough for us to have your person in with you. So if you're in for an induction, this is the part that I think is particularly cruel because I had a, a birth like this with my first baby. And I was lo- I not lucky, but I had by right my partner there as he should have been. Um, but, you know, when you're induced, and whether it's gels or the oxytocin drip, you know, the effect that has on your body is huge. You mm. know, the pain that comes with us. Um, and women are having to do all of that on their own at the moment because they're not at this four centimetres arbitrary ruling. Um, and that's really, those early stages of labour are really, really important to have good, positive medical outcomes. And there's research you know, internationally, and um, that when somebody has their support partner there, there's better medical outcomes for the mum, there's better medical outcomes for the baby. And that's why the World Health Organization says, even in a pandemic, you should have a support partner with you. So why is the Irish government and the Irish Health Service saying, we're going to go against the advice of the World And it's, it's not... Um Linda, that you're calling for a free-for-all at the hospital that once baby is born, granny and granddad and the aunts and the uncles and everybody could come visit. It's like, it's, it literally is the partner is what you're talking about. Absolutely. We fully support the restrictions on visitors. There isn't a pregnant woman around <laughs> the place who wants to see, you know, a trail of visitors <laughs> coming into the ward. Yeah. Uh, but a, a father of a baby, a partner, an essential support person is not a visitor. They are a core part of the medical support needed to get a woman through that experience. And it's really, really important that they're, um, you know, there for the appointments, that they're there for the scans, that they're there from the start of labour to the end, and that they can provide support as well, you know, on the wards after baby is born. 
Okay, so some progress this this uh, week, uh, but we, we need more. And just on another uh, positive news, there was uh, the uh, the announcement of additional paid paternity leave approved this week, or parental leave approved parental this week. Leave. Yeah, that's the implementation of an EU directive that the government um, had to put in, and it's great. And um, I would encourage everybody to read up on it because it's going to be backdated to November 2019, but for a lot of people, they won't be able to access it until after April 2021. Okay. So it will cover a lot of people, but you might think you're outside of the timelines, you know, if you just kind of read the headline. So it is worth reading up on it and, you know, making sure your employer knows about it and contacting social welfare to make sure you can access it. OK, is it an extra two or three weeks, is it? Is three weeks. Three weeks, three weeks, yeah. OK. You're becoming and a great... for both parents. Yeah. You're becoming a great advocate. Have you Have you done work like this before? I work for a trade union, Patricia. Ah. So, in my blood. <laughs> it oozes out of your pores, girl. Listen, once again, a pleasure to talk to you, uh, Linda, and keep in contact uh, with us. And uh, thanks a million for joining us today. Thanks, okay, good morning Bye-bye. to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Uh, Linda Kelly there, she's, she really is fantastic the way she speaks up uh, on behalf of other pregnant women and what they uh, have been and are uh, going through. So the good news this week, their partners now to be allowed into the 20-week, the anomaly uh, scan, which is the really, really important scan and obviously then to attend surgical interventions based on the result of uh, that scan. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And we're off to Fomoy Gar, the station for this week's Gar the Fire. I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And good to report that crime is low so far, but you're asking people to keep a lookout for scams. Yes. Um, and I suppose we haven't for the last week, just to reassure listeners, you know, we've seen no burglaries at all in the Cork North Division, you know, in the last seven days, um, you know, which is a considerable period of time to go without even one burglary, you know. Um, so it, it is having a big effect. Um, we're still seeing the odd kind of break into break into cars and that, you know. And I suppose just to illustrate one, unfortunately, uh, there this day last week we saw a break in there at... Uh, Baker's Road, Charleville to a car. Um, it, it occurred there in the morning time between about a quarter to t- ten and five to eleven. But it would it would appear that um, uh, somebody had looked into the car and spotted a handbag in the passenger footwell, you know, and uh, the window window was smashed. So we'd appeal to people, look, they don't leave property in the car, but particularly not to leave property on display in the car. You know, and look, it could have been somebody just popped out for five five minutes and got caught and didn't get back, you know, to the car as soon as they did. But uh, it's just when property is visible in a car, you know, we do see that opportunist criminals. It will drive it will drive crime. You know. Yeah, I um, I, I was in a, a car park recently and I actually saw a woman uh, get out of the car uh, with her handbag and she took some money out of the bag, um, mm. but she obviously was leaving her her wallet or her purse or whatever it was in the bag, so she just taking out what she needed and then in front of everyone you saw her hiding the bag under the front seat and I just thought if I'm watching yeah. it who God knows who else is watching you uh, Listen Patricia you couldn't have brought it across better there you know I, I, you know, you've just asked the question who else is watching you you know if you had to transfer a property like that go to the car park already with it done you know 
don't do it in the, in the car park. As you said, you don't know who's watching mm. you, you know. And, uh, and like, okay, sensible in one point, you know, what she was doing was right, only she should have done the transfer earlier. Yeah, before you, know? you leave the house or when, when there's no when there's before no Before you leave the house, you know. And I know, so I, I know I, um, Joe Duffy this week is doing a lot on people. No, it's just, there aren't crimes that happened lately. They were just highlighting crimes that happened yes. over the last few years of people taking money out of the bank, uh, like large sums of money, like you're talking, you know, a couple of thousand in, in a lot of cases, and then being followed and not realising that they were being followed. And somebody spotted that they put 3,000 into an envelope, got into the car, put it into the glove compartment of the car, then drove off to do their business. And of course, when they stopped somewhere, got out of the car, came out, wind had been smashed right. and exactly with the glove compartment. So, so they, they, they've been spotted. Now, we've covered that a few times, you know, on yeah. Crime File. In fact, one time we covered it, somebody listening to Crime File um, saw somebody following them. Exactly right. And we got the criminals involved as a result of it. So you, you just know? have to be, when you go to the bank, you've got yeah. to be really careful. You've got to be really careful who's in. Now, I think with social dis- distancing, people are that's very, helping. very yeah. noticing now somebody that's, you know, very close to them or not. You know, it, it's probably, COVID has probably put pickpocketing, uh, you, you know, on, on uh, they'll, they'll be needing retraining, I'd say, since some of them, because people are very conscious of their personal space now, you know. Yeah, it's the um, same at the cash point when you're taking money out. Uh, we, you always have to be so careful, careful there. Uh, but you, you will notice that people are standing way back, which is yeah. which is a bonus. Well, put, Particularly, and this is the time of year that people could go, you know, just as you explained, uh, we call that jugging. There's the term, there's a few gangs in particular, and uh, they'll enter a queue, uh, they'll watch somebody, they'll, they'll identify their target, and uh, when that person exits the bank, they leave the queue, and they follow them, they put them to a car, and, uh, you know, in some cases, they'll, they, they can see what they're doing, that they will put, the, put it into a glove compartment, and uh, maybe two or three hours later, you find that's the only car in town that has been targeted, mm. you know? Mm. So look for people, very, very careful of that, you know? And talking about different cars, like 40% of incidents um, reported, they occur between 1 o'clock and 5 p.m. Thursday and Friday are the peak days, which normally correlate, you know, to peak shopping days. You know, in the last four years alone, right, when you add it up, almost one and a half million worth of goods have been stolen from uh, vehicles parked in retail car parks. Goodness me. Good. Yeah, and a huge amount of money. Yeah, and, Cash, and this, bags, electronics, tools, you know. This time of year as well, people, you know, doing their shopping, got to be careful where you park. And if you're going back to the car to, mm. put, to offload Christmas presents... You know, that's yeah. exactly what the thief wants, brand new. Exactly. And, and to be honest, we've become lazy as well, right? But the simple reason is, you go back 30 years ago, you physically locked the car with a key, right? And you heard all, all your doors clicking, right? We just assume now that the battery is working and that you, you walk away, you mightn't even look around to see are the lights flashing, you know? So just make sure, you know, you lock your car, but you check the doors, you know, before, before you walk away or you check the driver's door that it has gone through, you know. Um, because uh, a lot of the time we see this with cars parked in, 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 in driveways as well, uh, where they're targeted, you know, um, stuff has been taken from them. The cars invariably, in driveways in particular, we find a huge amount of them are insecure, you know, that are left at night. So not locked. Maybe it is not locked. Not yeah. locked. So maybe yeah. it is that some people are assuming that, 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 they've, cl- that they've clicked the... Uh, the key, you know, but they, they may not have. Yeah, you know? OK. So, uh, so very, very timely advice uh, for Christmas. Now, other other advice uh, within the lead up to Christmas, 
drink driving, John. Oh, other advice, yeah. Uh, drink, drink driving and drug driving. You know, the Christmas, uh, the Garda annual uh, Christmas New Year road safety P launched uh, yesterday. Now, I suppose there's a couple of standout statistics in that, you know. Um, I don't like to dwell too much on statistics, but a couple of standout ones. Traffic volumes are down up to 70% this year with COVID, which are different lockdowns. Um, but one thing stands out, drug driving. Now, not drunk driving, but drug driving, right, is up by 133%, you know, which, which, you know, which is a huge amount. So it's not just, um, it's just not drunk driving anymore, drug driving. Uh, we find it's beginning, beginning to be an issue. We're very conscious of it. We are testing, uh, and we're going to be quite, doing quite a lot uh, again. Over, and over can you test on the roadside for that? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, okay. um, one thing I'd emphasise is that I suppose now, now thankfully, um, you know, Ireland is now the second safest country in the European Union as regards deaths on the road. It was 136 uh, people, unfortunately, lost their lives. That's 136 grieving families out there, you know. Um, but it also doesn't take into account the people who have life-changing injuries yeah. for whom that accident, you know, has changed their life, you know, for... for Forever in some cases. And they're you know? the people so, that you you don't see because many of them end up in rehabilitation yeah. centres yeah. and end up in in homes for the rest of their lives. You know, right. and, and we don't... Maybe with having your own residential home having to be yeah. specially adapted, yeah. you know, yeah. to take into account tough. the injuries that they suffer. So for people to be very much aware of that, take care when they're driving and be careful um, out there over the Christmas. Um, just one last thing there to mention, you know, we're coming into a time that people will be checking, you know, there's still scams online. Um, people are going to be, I suppose, the must-haves of, of, of this Christmas. I heard people mentioning PlayStation 5, I've heard other things being mentioned, you know. If if they find that they can't get it through, um, maybe through through, through shops or or through uh, uh, shopping online, uh, sometimes you know when the time is getting short, you know, in order to full, fulfil their needs, they may go off of legitimate uh, shopping sites onto the more riskier ones, right? Mm. Um, and as a result, then maybe doing private deal on Facebook or private deal somewhere else or. Um, they are else being contacted, having been looked, looking for something. They might get an email or whatever. You know, they may end up with no product and having lost the money for the product to boot. You know, so for people to be very, very aware and due to, due to do due diligence on the websites uh, that they're on. And you, so, in other words, just to be careful. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's your hard-earned cash. And I know uh, we mentioned it because actually one of our listeners, I reckon they nearly got caught with it, uh, the, you know, these text scams saying you owe money or, or whatever, or there's there's outstanding duty on something. Uh, he was With Brexit, post-Brexit, we're all going to end up, if we decide to shop online, particularly from any UK site, we're, we're going to be liable for VAT and duty on items. Now, the scam artists know this, and they're going right. to start sending out texts, which, and if you're waiting on a parcel, you might think, oh, that's the parcel I'm waiting on and end up you've got to be so careful uh, you have to be there the sh- scams are coming in every shape and form you know um, you, like with, with online shopping there, there might be two and three parcels uh, you know expected in some houses you might get a text you know there's extra money due you know we need you to pay it by credit card you, you, you know all, all those type of scams are, are now multiplying so look for people to be very very uh, aware of what they're expecting um, again the same thing as you know they may might get one purporting to be on from on post we have seen them those scams whereby uh, orders uh, uh, two euros uh, extra needed for your po- 
parcel be released, you can pay it by credit card, you know. Be very, very careful, uh, you know, of all those scams. Well, actually, um, somebody, one of our listeners only last week got exactly that and it was two yeah. ninety nine, and he was waiting on a package. So he thought, oh, well, that's yeah. okay, it's only two ninety nine. But thankfully, he was with Bank of Ireland. Bank of Ireland rang him to say, have you just um, signed off on €500? Euro? And he said, no, I haven't. And then he realised it was, it was a scam. So luckily, the bank had uh, intervened. But because it was such a small sum of money initially, he thought it was only two ninety nine. that's fine. Yeah, and that's the way they're thriving. You know, you think it's only a small sum of money, but all they're, they're not looking for two ninety nine. They're looking for your credit card details. Yeah, you know, and and it's um, uh, you know, all the banks, you know, have to have to be very very careful at the moment. You know, they have to very good goalkeepers coming. you know, watching out for suspicious transactions coming in, and particularly, uh, I suppose it's getting easier for me in one way. In that, you know, they see an Irish based uh, person, and and suddenly. Uh, transaction attempted maybe out in Amsterdam. Well, you know, not a lot of people are travelling at the moment, you know. Mm. Um, so finally, Patricia, I know it's the last time I'm going to be on with you before Christmas. Just to thank yourself, uh, John, Paul, Bernie, all the staff uh, at uh, C103, all all the listeners, you, you know. And I, I would hope that uh, Crime File, that we're having some effect, you, you know, in just giving out a bit of advice to people and keeping down uh, crime rates across the country. And I suppose, uh, look, n- none of us will be... T- um, no, none of us will be uh, too uh, too sorrowful about seeing the end of twenty. Absolutely, you know we can see already the sun shining in the uplands of twenty twenty one. You know, yeah. and uh, the hopes uh, you know that come with that. The vaccines know? on the way. Okay, yeah, exactly. listen and thank you, um, John, and and all of the the North Cork uh, guards who've always been uh, fantastic with our our crime file every week. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to your contribution in twenty twenty one. Have a great Christmas, and thanks for joining Thank us. I likewise. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Sergeant John Kelly, based here from Moygard, the station. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. your thoughts coming into the uh, programme. Uh, still getting some calls in about what happened with Sky News and the fact that Sky News when a senior member of staff Kay Burley at her 60th birthday party when it looks, when they did breach the guideline, the socialising indoor guidelines that are in place, the restrictions that are in place for the UK. Sky News reacted instantly and four senior members of staff were taken off air including Kay Burley herself whose birthday it was and people are saying how different the reaction from Sky news versus what happened in RTE when they breached uh, social distancing and guidelines that have been issued by the uh, HSE. Uh, Rosie says don't do as I do, do as I tell you but then it's okay to apologise afterwards look what we've had so far this year, we've had Golfgate, what happened at RTE at that going away party, Sky etc so don't do as I do do as I tell you. Michael says yes Sky did the right thing with the Kay Burley effort so when are RTE going to do the same? Always remember there's somebody, there's nobody that cannot be replaced. They're still only as good as their last show. Oh God Michael don't I know that well. Thank you for that. Hope you're keeping well. Mick says the problem in RTE is they think they are untouchable. 
and uh, Jim says did Sky learn anything from the RTE and what happened there and also look at Alan Kelly what he did is just showing that you can't get away with practising what you preach when you are caught out yourself says Jim who also said he got a copy of the Veil Star and he saw the lovely picture of my Marsha in it thank you for that uh, it, it is a sweet uh, photograph indeed uh, thanks Jim hope you are keeping well um, maternity services when we spoke with Linda Kelly in the last hour and how pregnant mothers have been treated at the moment because of COVID and I know the HC Department of Health all of the maternity hospitals will say they're doing everything to keep mum and baby and everybody in the hospital safe but even the World Health Organisation is saying that when a pregnant woman is going into hospital particularly to have her baby she needs a support partner so they're actually going against World Health Organisation guidelines by not allowing partners in until the mum is in active uh, labour but we now know HSC has bowed slightly in that they're allowing partners now into the 20-week uh, scan and for medical interventions then surgical interventions that would happen as a result of if you got bad news at that uh, particular scan. But the campaign continues to try to allow partners in from when mum goes into hospital to have uh, the baby. OK, some of your thoughts on that. Uh, Patricia, why I have great sympathy for the mums. Do they not ask themselves if one of their partners had COVID without knowing it? It would go on to infect every other mum, not to mention every baby. At the end of the day, we only have one maternity hospital here in the city that has to cover the city and the uh, county. I think all of the pregnant mums would be very much aware of that. But I think one of the points that Linda made when she joined us telling her own story on the programme on Monday, she was making the point that her husband lives with her. They sleep together. They eat together. So if one of us was to have COVID, the chances were the two of them would have uh, COVID. And I am sure as with when you go to any hospital appointment now you have to have a COVID test in advance of going in I'm assuming all of the dads and partners would willingly say I'll take a COVID test if you want to be absolutely to be sure to be sure Uh, so I don't I really don't think that that could be an argument that uh, could be used and someone else says Patricia my baby was born by C-section it was six years ago the staff nearly forgot to call me in They couldn't have done the C-section without you, but the staff in the delivery suite were absolutely amazing, said this texter. We had such a laugh. Well done to all at CUMH. They were unreal. And I don't think when there's criticism of what's going on with the the pregnant women having to go to the scans on their own or having to be in the hospital on their own, I don't think anybody is taken away from the staff and how fantastic the staff are. It isn't the staff unfortunately, that makes the rules. It's the people higher up and that's who this campaign is to get to higher up the HSE to try to get them to change their minds. And if it's working. It's a campaign that's working when you look at what got announced uh, this week. And then another texter says, women are simply too quiet in general about how they are cared for in hospital and this texter feels that the HSE takes advantage, particularly when people are vulnerable and if you're unwell and in hospital, I suppose you are uh, vulnerable. This is supposed to be a democratic state, not a dictatorship and women, I feel, should have a much stronger voice about being housed safely while in hospital. This listener feels it's a disgrace to have mixed wards, something that never would have happened before the HSE took over the running of hospitals. This this issue of maternity care needs looking at and changes need to be made by uh, women. Yeah, I don't know how long the mixed wards, they're there for quite some some years uh, now and 
a lot of people are uncomfortable. It's not just women that are uncomfortable about mixed wards. I've heard men say that they don't like the idea of being in a ward with women either. I don't know if it's across all hospitals that we have these mixed wards, but definitely it's it's a different time to say when the matron was in charge and you had the female wards and you had the male wards and never the twain shall meet. It was a very, very different time indeed. As a pet question coming in, keep the pet questions coming in please because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us if you have a pet uh, question. Now is the time to get it in. 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. and Christy is on about the pay increases for politicians and judges. In relation to the recent pay increases, writes Christy, for politicians and judges and the refusal of government to cancel these increases. It is amazing how they can do everything else that affects the general public at the stroke of a pen, but they can't do anything that affects their own wealth. They have no problem cutting the hourly minimum wage by a euro for the lowest paid in the country when they decided to do uh, that. They talk about all kinds of emergency legislation when they chose to do it and when they benefit and so many people are still so annoyed about the the pay increases for judges and for senior politicians. Actually I saw the former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern came out yesterday saying he's never taken any pay restoration in the 13 years since he ended his tenure as Taoiseach. I don't know if Bertie Ahern is on his own uh, with that one. But the the Minister Catherine Martin of the Green Party she said she can absolutely understand why people would question pay rises for judges and former politicians at this uh, time but she said the Green Party she's the Green Party Deputy Leader she said it was part of a public sector pay agreement and she says we can't start unpicking the deal that's her defence of it. Uh, the government on Tuesday approved the pay res, uh, restoration for judges and actually it's back paid because it kicks in since uh, last October. It also signed off on the pension restoration for public sector workers which includes the likes of the Taoiseach, the former Taoiseach and the former ministers. It also um, has approval for the allowances for the super junior ministers and that had been previously agreed earlier in the year just needs to be uh, signed off. But I think what certainly has annoyed a lot of people and certainly our listeners we've been hearing about it this week on the programme. That decision comes against a backdrop of huge anger at the coalition for refusing to pay student nurses on the front line during the pandemic. And according to sources, the Green Party deputy leader, Catherine Martin, questioned the move and its timing during the government meeting. Now, she did refuse to comment on it last night, citing cabinet confidentiality, but seems she did behind the scenes question, like, what are you doing here, guys? And the increases for the judges, they range anything from 2,500 for a district court judge up to just over 4,000 euro for a Supreme Court uh, judge. And people were saying, you can give that in one hand. And yet we have these student nurses who are working flat out on the front line and you can't pay them and it just doesn't sit well with people. And actually I saw a tweet there during the news at uh, 12 midday. Uh, the pay for student nurses is still being discussed in the doll. I think it's one of those issues that is just not going away. 
because I think people see the unfairness in it because people are hearing student nurses are getting vocal and are coming out and saying what they're doing on the wards and you know particularly the senior the, the final year students are you know they're a stone's throw away from being a qualified nurse so there's very little that they can't do that a qualified nurse can do and in many cases they seem to be filling that role which they're not meant to do when they're student nurses so a lot of people are just seeing the unfairness uh, of it but of course the argument that keeps coming forward is if we pay the student nurses are we going to have to pay all of the other students like the teachers who go in and uh, they work student teachers work and do the same work as teachers and they don't get paid uh, for it either but I just have a funny feeling on the student nurses particularly during a pandemic when they're working really hard it just seems to be one of those issues that's uh, that's not going to go uh, away whether they're going to get paid or not I don't know. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Particularly looking for your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will join us after half past 12 today. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Celebrate a real Cork Christmas. Find out more at corkcoco.ie. Ballygarvin Camogie Club, they're calling on people to support their amazing girls from under six through to seniors and their coaches by buying a ticket for the Ballygarvin Camogie Club Christmas draw. You can have a look at the prizes and buy a ticket through their link on Ballygarvin Camogie Club. Facebook page. And St Vincent de Paul, who we spoke with yesterday, they're experiencing high demand for their services this year. They're appealing to the general public to please support their online fundraising and any local collections that you may come across. If you don't come across local collections, you can buy tickets for their annual car draw. Go to the Vincent de Paul website. And Mitchellstown Lions Club are appealing for donations to their GoFundMe Christmas Food Appeal R. You can drop a donation in their collection bucket which is at Mitchellstown Credit Union all monies raised are distributed as food vouchers for families in need in the Mitchellstown area You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed C103. Can I just give a quick mention to Centra in Skull in uh, West Cork. This is a lovely uh, initiative. They say on a Facebook post that they're very conscious that in the run up to Christmas there are some people who are still not comfortable or are not feeling safe about being out in the general public or afraid to go to shops in case it's going to be too uh, busy. Now while deliveries can be uh, arranged and they are doing deliveries they do accept that uh, some people like to come out and do their own Christmas shopping. So what they've decided to do with Centra in Skull, on Thursday nights between 9 and 10, when the shop is closed for everybody else, they'll allow people who are just feeling a bit nervous, maybe people who have been cocooning, people who are medically vulnerable. Uh, If you make contact with Centra in Skull, if you're in that area and they'll allow people in while the shop is actually closed. So there'll be probably a handful of people will will turn up and it's on Thursday nights between 9 and uh, 10pm. So well done to Centra in Skull. I don't know if many other shops are trying to facilitate uh, people like that. Uh, as well, people who just feel a bit unnervous, a bit nervous about being in a shop. So uh, well done to them. Now, the proposed M20 route that follows the N20 route has been strongly opposed by hundreds of white church residents who say the motorway could potentially rip communities apart and destroy family homes and uh, farms. Deirdre Hosford is their spokesperson. Good morning to you, Deirdre. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you are welcome to the programme. Okay, can you, you can you, as best you can, explain to us why you think this is going to affect your area so badly? 
Sure. Um, so the area that we are uh, speaking about uh, at the moment is the Greater Blarney and Whitechurch area. So um, the the proposed route for the new Cork Limerick motorway. So it's a motorway that will run from Killeen, which is just outside Blarney, all the way over to Limerick, going through Mallow, uh, Butterfield, Charleville, and all the ways along. Um, but the, the the piece that is affecting us uh, is the navy route. So there are there are two routes uh, that are being mooted at the moment. One being the green route, which is uh, basically an upgrade of the existing N20, um, and then there's the navy route, which is a brand new corridor of a motorway running straight from Killing straight through to Limerick. So that's the one that would affect us. It would absolutely decimate our small rural community. Um, we rely heavily on, you know, our links to Blarney uh, for shopping, for, you know, schools and that type of thing. And you'd be running, that, that motorway would be running right down through the middle of our community. Homes would be lost. Farms would be lost. So it would be at a huge, huge human cost. And people are very, very upset locally about this, Deirdre. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the first we heard of this was um, literally last Monday night. A neighbour texted and said, guys, did you hear about this? Nobody had. So um, we're a small community, but we're, we're brilliant. They rode in behind us immediately. We formed a committee. Um, we've had Zoom meetings. There's signs up in the village. We've been trying to get people. But as you know yourself, you can't have any public meetings that makes it very difficult to get the message out there so a lot of people didn't even realise that it was happening so what's currently happening Patricia is it's the public consultation phase and that's where they are inviting the public to give their feedback on the proposed route um, so it's a, it's a website it's corklimerick.ie and you can leave feedback on there. So what we're just trying to get people to do is engage with the process to leave their feedback on it and what they feel. Yeah, because I, I think you're right in saying a lot of people are unaware of Absolutely, what is happening. Because yeah. I know when I teed up that you were going to be joining me on the programme, uh, Nicholas said, Patricia, I heard you talk about the objections from the people of Whitechurch, so I thought I'd check out the interactive map. I am absolutely shocked. I live in Fidane North and at one point when the Navy and Green routes are coming within 350 metres of our house taking in fields, forestry and farmland. It yep. is absolutely shocking. But I suppose the, the one the one problem here with this M20 Cochrane motorway, everyone accepts we need a motorway. Absolutely. Is there is there any way to build it without it affecting communities? Um, well, yeah, I think so. I mean, we, and that, that is one point that, like, we're very clear on and that we, we know for infrastructure, for business, for transport, that that link is needed there 100%. But we feel that the existing N20, there is no, like, that was just upgraded last year. You know yourself, there's a lot of work done around Mallow area last year in the, in the, in the, just before Mallow there. So, I mean, there's an excellent road already there. So why they wouldn't use the existing infrastructure and work around that? Because that would have minimal impact on homes and farms and businesses. Whereas if they go this Navy corridor, it will decimate communities. There will be houses under compulsory purchase order. There will be farms cut in two. And as well as that, there is no required minimum distance for a motorway from the door, the front door of your property. So I know in my area there's one family and it will be 54 metres from their house. So how could you live 54 metres from a motorway? Yeah, well that's, that's, 
that's what is happening and that is what they're saying is perfectly acceptable, unfortunately. Um, you know, if your house isn't a compulsory purchase order, then you have no option. Your house is bought and that's the end of it. And you'll never but, sell that property. And that's the other side of it. House properties, you know, the, the value of properties will go down. And on top of that, you have, you know, environmental aspects of it. You have health for, you know, there are studies done on the health of children who live beside motorways, long-term lung effects. Um, but more so than anything, like, it just, it doesn't make sense to us when you have a perfectly viable route just down there uh, on the existing N20 where they could work on that, where even on houses down there already wouldn't be affected, that this Navy route would be a better option. We can't see that. that and plus, like, we know that the funding is in place for it. Um, I know in 2010, when this was going ahead first, that they ran out of money. But this time, the money is there. The project is going ahead. So I think we really have to be vocal about which way we'd like it to go. And compulsory purchase of uh, houses uh, and the yeah. fact that some of these are on farmland. Some of these would have been passed down generation between the generations. Would, would people have lived in some of these houses for many years? Absolutely. We had speaking with a lady yesterday who's 50 years on her farm and this proposed Navy route would go right down through the middle of it. And she was saying, you know, she could have sold it years ago, but she held on to it because she wanted a legacy for her family. And that's now gone, you know. I mean, we have another local lad who, you know, would be inheriting the farm from his father and he's saying, there'd be nothing for me left. I wouldn't, I'd have to get out of farming. There'd be nothing there. And that then, on top of that, you have the people with houses built in the last year or two as well. Um, that would be under compulsory purchase order. And just a note as well, Patricia, for people listening, if they go on to Cork Limerick.ie and look at the map, each corridor, the green corridor and the navy corridor, are each 500 metres wide. Um, And the road can be put anywhere within that 500 metres. But there would be no planning permission granted in either corridor until a route is decided. Mm. Yeah, I know because that affects a lot of people. Yeah, so yeah. The public consultation is uh, now open until the fifteenth of January, so we definitely encourage people to go on to the website. And what happens uh, after that then? After the fifteenth of January? Yes. Yeah, so after the fifteenth of January, the the Cork and Limerick County Councils and the TII go and they make their decision as to which route that they want. So whether it be the green route, the navy route, or um, an upgrade of road and rail services. And then they'll have that decision made by uh, June, July of next year, at which stage they'll open a second public consultation. And again, you, we would have to lodge our objections again then. But at that stage, the route is picked, you know. Um, so it, it, now they, uh, they also said to us that they want it um, finished, the road finished by 2027. So that's mm. a very aggressive time frame for such a large project. Such yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Such a large project. So. Um, it is really important. And as I say, look, we have an amazing community in Blarney and Whitechurch. We've, we've all got together. It's been amazing. We've formed a committee, as I said, and the sun's gone up. And it's just really, um, I think older people as well wouldn't maybe be online or wouldn't be aware of the process. So they're only hearing things secondhand, so it's quite frightening for them. So just to let them know that, like, you can get a form posted out as well, if okay. you prefer from the uh, company in Limerick. Okay, all right. Okay, but people need to educate themselves, inform themselves. Absolutely, yeah, It's to get the, the message out there. there. Yeah. Okay, so it's corklimerick.ie. That's correct. Okay, yeah. all right. We'll speak again, no doubt, uh, Deirdre. Thank you for that. No
And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Bye bye. Uh, that is Deirdre Hosford, one of the spokesperson for the people on behalf of the Greater Blarney White Church area who are objecting to that, to the Navy route for the M20 motorway. OK, some of your questions coming in. I can see questions coming in for our resident vet. Thank you for that. Keep those coming. Uh, John in Blackpool says, Patricia, I'm not sure, did you answer my query yesterday? How long must you be on the pub payment to get the Christmas bonus? Christmas bonus, of course, has been paid out this week. 17 weeks you need to be on it for 17 weeks and if you are you are entitled to a 100% you get a double that's what the Christmas bonus is as I say paid out this week on student nurses Meg said our student nurses I feel it's like slave labour years ago when people were training to be nurses we got paid and we also stayed in the nurses homes you got your meals thrown in as well says Meg yeah well the way the way nurses are trained today is very different Meg to the way it was done uh, years ago for sure and on mixed wards remember somebody brought up the issue of mixed wards saying uh, Patricia I was in CUH lately and I was put into a room and I thought oh lovely isn't this great I've got my own bathroom I opened the door in my room to go into what I thought was the bathroom and there was a male patient in the bed looking out at me it was a connecting room and the door wasn't locked I got the fright of my life (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because obviously you went into the room and just saw another door thinking, oh, that must be the bathroom. And you would assume that it was the bathroom. Yeah, I I would have thought, yeah, as well, that they would have locked locked the door. But obviously, for whatever reason, they don't. Listener says, hi, Patricia, I'm sick of people giving out about the government, giving themselves and judges pay increases and not giving the student nurses any kind of pay. It's our own fault. We give out about them. And then at the next election, what will we do? We'll put the same person back the same people back in who is right and who is wrong in all of this 1850 your pet questions uh, please because we're going to take a break and uh, Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862 and Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group our resident vet are joining us. Good afternoon to you, Jane. And good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let's get straight into questions. And firstly, Breda in Mallow has sent us an update on the feral kittens. Remember the feral kittens a number of weeks ago oh, that yeah. she, she took yeah, in? Yeah. Okay, her update is, they are now inside and making slow progress but seem happy out. They venture downstairs when the house is quiet, usually after 7pm in the evening, even though the bedroom door, which is where their home is, is now wide open. They don't come out until evening time. Now, they will run back upstairs if they get scared, if there's something loud on the television, for example example, they will run mm-hmm. away. But we're making good progress. Edwina is very good. Fluffy cat, still wild, but is definitely making slow progress. Well done, Breathe and Mallow. <laughs> and it will take time, won't it? <laughs> oh, it will. It will. And it sounds like they're making really good progress, to be totally honest. Yeah. I think our, our listener is doing exactly the right things, giving them lots of space, giving them a gentle introduction to the house, leaving them be when they're a little bit worried. It sounds like these kittens have like firmly decided that where they were kept initially is their safe place, which is really great because that's what they need when they're adapting to a new situation is somewhere to retreat to so that their little kitten brains can kind of process all of the new experiences that they're having um, and that they can feel really safe. So I think keep at it. It sounds like you'll be very successful.
successful. Okay, and Ray sent on a copy of a tweet which I happened to see last night or the night before. He wants to know how common is this? And it was actually a doctor somewhere up the country who posted this on what he called a mince pie warning. Our eight-month-old puppy Mm -hmm. has acute kidney failure after eating a mince pie. It was news to me that raisins, sultanas and grapes can be very toxic to dogs. Our Labrador swiped it off the table and the little fella joined in in the feast just to alert dog owners. And Ray, one of our listeners, says, is that common? I wouldn't say it's common, but I definitely encounter at least one or two a year. Um, and usually over Christmas time. So it's, it's usually very sad. Um, the main problem with this is anything to do with grapes. So most dogs and cats won't try and eat raw grapes. But look, if they do, it's still a problem, but dried. So it kind of concentrates the toxin. So sultanas and raisins are the main problem. And that's in a lot of Christmas treats, as you can imagine. Mince pies are a major culprit. But let's say Christmas pudding, Christmas cake, anything like that, Stalin, anything with raisins, sultanas in it is a big problem. One of the trickiest things is is that um, we're all a little bit different with how toxic raisins and sultanas are. So it really depends on how much of it they eat, but also their relative size. So let's say um, a raisin or two could be a big deal for a very, very small dog. But um, let's say a very large, chunky Labrador, it, it might not cause them any problems. But what I would say is there's no kind of cutoff for what we know as vets is going to cause a problem or not. So the best thing to do is as soon as you notice that your pet has eaten anything with raisins or sertanas in it, give your vet a call to discuss it. It's most likely that they'll need you to come into the surgery ASAP so that action can be taken to try and limit the problem. The real tricky thing with um, raisins or sertanas is that it can cause acute kidney failure. And in many, many cases, um, even when handled perfectly, it can be fatal. So really time is of the essence of these things. This is not a kind of a situation I'd suggest sitting on for, let's say, six to 12 We've lost the line. Uh, apologies uh, there. Uh, OK, I can see John Paul is going to uh, get it uh, back up again. And in the case of, in the particular case that we're talking about, I think it's interesting that Jane says it depends on the size of the dog because obviously the Labrador who swiped it off the table is a bigger dog, wasn't having any problems, but it was the smaller eight-month-old puppy, which obviously is a smaller dog and that's the dog that ended up having uh, acute kidney uh, failure so you've just got to be so so uh, careful and make sure that and Jane is right uh, Raisin Sultanus they're in all of our Christmas treats so don't believe in the Christmas cake lying around or even passing on you know just handing a dog a piece of uh, a Christmas cake or a plum pudding or, or whatever Okay sorry Jane with t- tech issues there we lost you Yeah I was just making the point that in the particular tweet the, it was an eight month old puppy whereas the Labrador probably was okay because it's a bigger dog but the puppy would have been smaller Yeah Okay so just yeah, be careful definitely. Just be careful. It's a good good word of warning. Hi, uh, pet question, please. My spoilt little 13-year-old Chihuahua is delighted with his new jumper and he seems to spend a lot of time asleep in bed. He's actually snoring his head off. He it's he is hilarious since we're but since wearing the Christmas jumper, I've noticed could it be irritation from the jumper because he's rubbing off the couch as if he's issue. Now he doesn't, as if he's itchy. He doesn't have fleas. He doesn't mix with any other dogs or cats but he seems to be dying for a good old scratch and the only connection is since he started wearing the jumper. Now he's not trying to pull the jumper off. He actually loves having the jumper on but I'm wondering could the heat be irritating him in some way? And thank you. You're always so helpful. (laughs) 
Um, this is a really interesting one, actually. I think it sounds like our listener has kind of dealt with the main, the main usual things, let's say making sure that we're up to date with the fee external parasites, because um, that's the main cause of itching that we would see commonly in dogs and cats. Um, it's possible that if all this started around the time that the jumper started going on, it could be two things. It could be very much like ourselves. We can be a little bit sensitive to certain fabrics and they can cause us to itch and scratch a little bit. Um, so if it's a particular jacket that you pop on them and you notice it's much worse after one type of jumper than another, um, then it could just be a little bit of skin sensitivity to the fabric or it might be a little itchy or scratchy. And once they're released from it, they feel like they need to give their, their hair a good rustle um, so that they feel normal again. It could indeed be the heat. I think one word of warning I would say is just be mindful of the ambient temperature within the house. Most dogs, unless they are unless they are very thin-skinned, very slim, um, or older and frail, if they're in a, a kind of an ambient temperature that we would find really comfortable. So if you're walking around your house in your normal clothes, you're not putting on big fleecy jumpers or anything like that to keep warm, your dog is probably okay without a jacket. Now, this is a very kind of personal thing depending on the age and type of dog. But sometimes if there's a lot of heat, they may be quite good at, let's say, not trying to tear the jumper off, but sometimes that's because they might not know how to get it off as such. So just watch them carefully for the signs of overheating, let's say panting, heavy breathing. Um, they will be major signals that it might be time to take the jumper off. That is too hot because, the, yeah, the, yeah. Heat, the central heating is on and our houses are so exactly. much warmer now, yeah. And we have exactly. the sense to know oh, we can just take off a layer whereas a, a dog doesn't. Okay, exactly. uh, Philomena, my 15-year-old palm keeps clearing her throat. What could I give her? I'm told it's wear and tear of the vocal cords. Is there anything I could do to give her some kind of relief? Hmm. So with this, in uh, an older small breed dog, sometimes we do see what, what I assume kind of sounds like wear and tear. Sometimes we can see some changes within the windpipe and how flexible it is, and that can kind of provoke a little bit of a cough. Sometimes it's something and nothing, and it might happen very, very occasionally and not be really a clinical problem that's bothering the dog. But if it's happening very frequently or if you notice it's happening a little bit more than usual, it's best to just pop back to your vet and kind of make them aware of the frequency at which, uh, when it's happening. There are medications that we can use to reduce kind of a cough reflex, but it's really important that as, as vets, we, we know not to jump straight to, let's say, just stopping the cough, because sometimes the cough actually has a function. So our bodies are hardwired to cough if we're trying to get something up from our lungs, like a little bit of phlegm or if we have an infection. So it's just really important to visit your vet if you've noticed this increase so that they can rule out any kind of infection within the lungs or any phlegm buildup. Um, and if it does sound like it's bothering your dog, they may be able to help you out with some cough suppressants. Okay. Hi, I have a 10-year-old overweight female dog. She absolutely loves her food. She's a Shih Tzu breed. Any ideas on how to get her to lose the weight? Not not good, yeah. obviously, because that's a small breed dog, isn't it? Exactly. And I think well done for to our owner for first, A, recognising that their dog is overweight. Cause I think as, as humans now, we're so used to seeing let's say, overweight dogs. We're a little bit pre-programmed into thinking an overweight dog actually looks normal to us. So well done for realising that your dog is overweight um, and for wanting to take kind of solid action. What I would say is exercise is always helpful and it'll definitely help to speed up the metabolism and to burn off some calories, but really the work is is done with the food. Um, 80% of weight loss will be what, what goes into the mouth. Um, so it's really important to kind of take a, a structured approach to it. As a standard for, let's say, a, a standard dog who's carrying a few extra pounds, I normally advise reducing down their, their food by somewhere between 15 to 20%. Um, but that's very dependent on how overweight your dog is and also other lifestyle factors. 
So what I would suggest is if your local vet has a weight management clinic or has a nurse or, or themselves are interested Is in there such a thing? Event, <laughs> yeah, we we run weight clinics, for example. Um, so yeah, we, a lot of time it's really helpful for us to weigh the, weigh the patient, but also assess his body condition because very okay. much like us, sometimes we can be a little bit flabby or we can be made of muscle, and that affects our weight a lot. So it's really important to get a solid plan. So rather than going a hit and miss option and just reducing things down a little bit, I'd say go a bit more scientific. Speak to your vet, and they'll be able to help you out and give you lots of kind of hints and tricks for how to how to improve the situation and make the weight losses. But the best thing you you can do for a ten year old dog, get her to lose the weight. Yeah, get her to lose the weight. It's really going to help long term. Here's one of these really interesting ones. Hi, Patricia and Jane. Could you please ask Jane about an issue that has just developed with my dog? We recently got a new dishwasher, and my dog is absolutely terrified of the beep that the dishwasher makes when you press to turn it on or when it switches off. It's so bad now that if you even just to go to put your hand on the door of the dishwasher to open it, she's gone. Bolt it out of the kitchen. I'll find her hiding behind the couch. I'll find her hiding upstairs where she refused to come back into the kitchen. What's going on there? Oh, bless her. <laughs> she's just very sensitive. It's probably if she's had this new dishwasher um, it's a sound she's probably never heard before and it might be a very different frequency to what she's encountered with the normal kind of beeps and buzzes around the appliances in the house. Um, it just sounds like she's maybe a little bit sensitive to this particular noise. Time will probably help a lot. Habituation, so knowing that when the buzzer is pressed and nothing bad will happen, will help a lot. But sometimes desensitising. So um, distraction is a really good one. If you've got a nice tasty treat inside the kitchen or maybe a little bit further away from the kitchen until she gets a little bit more used to the noise, give her that just before before you pop the dishwasher on and she may just have a little bit of distraction and realise that actually you know what every day when they turn on the dishwasher I get a treat and may get to the point where they don't mind so much and they're actually lining up for lining up for a snack but I think the main thing is if they have somewhere kind of nice and quiet and relaxed to, to, to kind of run off to when it happens and just make sure they're secure so that if she is very, very nervous she doesn't run outside and, and bolt away um, and, and I think Things will help a lot with time. I think time will really probably solve this. Um, as soon as she knows that nothing bad's going to happen, she'll probably relax a lot more. Okay. All right. We'll talk next week, which will be our last one, I think, before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we normally do our, where we do the do's and don'ts around Christmas. So that's a, it's an important one. Jane, have a good week. And we'll chat next Thursday. Thanks for that. Thank Bye-bye. Bye. That is Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. And just a follow on uh, to our chat about the M20 Cork to Limerick motorway. Somebody has, uh, has sent in a piece saying there's a public meeting on the M20 Cork to Limerick motorway. It's a Zoom uh, meeting and it is uh, being given by uh, Deputy Kieran O'Donnell, local TD in uh, Limerick, if people want to join. And it's happening tomorrow, Thursday at eight o'clock. If people want to get on to uh, Deputy Kieran O'Donnell's office, I'm sure they can send you on the Zoom uh, link. And Colin says, Patricia, the M20 motorway is not needed. Upgrade of the present N20 road would be the right way to go. Plenty of room to do this and it will save hundreds of millions of euro that would be better spent on projects in Mallow, in Charleville, etc. Our local TD 
MPs and councillors that support this motorway obviously have no regard for climate and are the environment as this motorway will destroy 90 kilometres of habitat also little regard for our children and communities affected by the proposed M20 motorway. It'll pass do you know 200 metres from Rahan National School and close to many other primary schools not to mention splitting and dividing communities. This motorway cannot and should not happen if we are serious about children and uh, adults well-being and also about our environment and um, as I've said I am disappointed with many local TDs and councillors and that's from one of our listeners Colin. That's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara and for Sadie for taking your calls Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you for the final one of the week tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on to the line Patricia Messenger have a lovely afternoon look after yourself and more importantly stay safe talk to you tomorrow at 10. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.